This is Soundtrack, a music podcast about the music that impacts our lives. Every episode is a conversation of how music has shaped and influenced one's life. Because music is the soundtrack to everyone's story. Soundtrack is hosted by Kyle Lichty. Hey everyone, I'm here with Melissa Curtis. How's it going? It is going well. How are you? I'm doing all right. It's a dreary day today. It's kind of weird. I don't know. It uh, is. What it's been like for you today. Yeah, dreary, rainy, uh, with the dog not liking thunderstorms. So she was uh, next to me while I worked all day long, which (laughs) I didn't mind. (laughs) Ella, right? Yes. Yeah. Indeed. Does not like the rain or uh, thunder. No. She is a fierce-looking German Shepherd lab mix. And she would scare you if I was walking her down the street, but she can be the biggest baby. Uh, (laughs) Thunderstorms, fireworks, but I can blare music and she doesn't care. So she's my perfect dog. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) We first met, I want to say 2013-ish, I would say. Yeah, somewhere around there. Uh, We met through a mutual friend, Mm -hmm. Lane. Yeah. Since then, we... You know, we have hung out a ton and mm-hmm. we actually went to a concert together. Yeah. Maybe more than one concert. I'm trying to remember if it was more than just that one. Yeah, there were some large group events where my old 30 plus year old brain can't remember everybody that was there. But <laughs> uh, yes, definitely at least one. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think. Did you go to Fits in the Tantrums? I did not. I think that was when I was slowly coming out of my introverted shell and emerging into the large group of friends. I stayed in the outskirts there for a little bit to figure out what exactly was going on with you all. So just out of curiosity, what was it like on the the outside with our friend group? Oh, gosh. So I tend to be a little more shy or introverted in the beginning anyway. But with a loud, boisterous group of big personalities, it was... I stayed next to Lane's side very tightly for a while until I got to know some of you guys. Yeah, to really understand who are these people, what are their individual personalities, since it was a large group personality. Uh, But I remember clicking with you about music, being like, okay, this is a person I can talk to about this at least. Stay in my safe space. Here we go. (laughs) It's interesting because there were a lot of, like you said, a lot of big personalities, but then there were a lot of people also who tended to be more like yourself, you know, shy or introverted mm-hmm. as well. So it's interesting that the fact that it was a thing, it just, mm-hmm. I don't know, perplexing at times to think about. But Oh, absolutely. And it seemed like there were some really solid relationships within there where I was afraid to infringe maybe mm-hmm. And that's been a growth area in my life since then, you know, seven-ish years ago. But very interesting to look back on and think about that season of our lives. Yeah. We're we're socially distancing at the moment. You're in Grand Rapids. I'm also in the Grand Rapids area. And you grew up here. You're uh, always been in the Grand Rapids area. Uh, Technically, you lived in Wyoming, which is a suburb of Grand Rapids. Yes. What was it like to, to grow up in that environment? 
I enjoyed it. You know, Grand Rapids has changed a lot, which is why I think I've been able to stick around so long and still enjoy it. It's been a lot of different cities, to me at least. Going to, you know, Wyoming schools was great. I enjoyed that. And, you know, I wanted to stay close to home when I went to college. And staying in Grand Rapids was a big enough city at that point in my life, getting out of you know, suburbs of Wyoming. So I really enjoyed learning about my hometown, quote unquote, but in a bigger capacity. And I think our city has evolved a lot over the years and that has been great. I feel like I've lived in a lot of different places, even though I've technically lived within the same however many miles radius. Your dad was a a huge influence for you growing up and specifically with classic rock. What was it that he was doing that was so influential? And what were some of those uh, artists and bands that made the impact for you? Yeah, absolutely. So my dad worked third shift my entire childhood. So we were able to spend a lot of time during the day together because he kind of split his sleep schedule. So even growing up, we spent a lot of time running errands. And I'm sure in the car we had it tuned to 96.9 LAV, which is still one of my favorite radio stations to this day. I listen to a lot of Led Zeppelin, ACDC, Foreigner, Queen, Kiss, you know, you name it, Fleetwood Mac. We also had a pool in our backyard, which I grew up swimming in every summer. He would pull these big speakers out and tune it to that radio station. So the soundtrack of my childhood summers was probably classic rock that was mostly child inappropriate. I remember some songs that I hear now and I just think back, like I I sang these, I like danced to these as a small child and they are not appropriate, which is fun looking back. But yeah, some of my best memories are those backyard pool days with, you know, Led Zeppelin blaring a little bit of everything. He also had a pretty robust record collection, you know, all the original stuff. And we would listen to those a lot. And I was just mesmerized by the way that they spun around and music came out. It was just blew my mind. Was it a lot of the bands that you mentioned that he had? Yeah. The most iconic one I remember is the Michael Jackson Thriller album. Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember him putting that on. I also loved Halloween as a kid. Still do. And dancing around to that and just one being scared of Thriller because having seen the music video, yeah, uh, <laughs> and you know, parents not turning off the TV when they probably should have, but whatever, and just enjoying all of those songs, dancing around in our basement, just having a good time with music. A lot of ACDC, Led Zeppelin's his favorite, which has become my favorite classic rock band. So those are the ones I remember the most. Yeah, why is Led Zeppelin your favorite classic rock band? I just love the instrumentals. I love the actual music of it. I also love their range. I remember hearing Black Dog on the radio when I grew up. And I think I used Shazam for like the first time while driving. (laughs) Kids listening at home don't do that. But I remember discovering that that was Led Zeppelin and it blew my mind. So I just remember hearing all of the songs as a kid. You know, we weren't talking about, oh, this is a song by this person. I just listened to them. And I knew Led Zeppelin of Stairway to Heaven, Led Zeppelin, or, you know, some of the slower ones. And so hearing Black Dog, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. They have so much range. Uh, And I just love that about them. 
yeah, they, you know, for being a staple in rock music, they do have a kind of an eclectic sound. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's kind of interesting that they have that. Thinking of you know, ramble on, and but then you have got like the immigrant song and and dire maker. Mm-hmm. I mean, Di- dire maker is like a it's kind of got this reggae sound to it, um, mm-hmm. and yeah, just very diverse. Uh, even for one of the most uh, well known rock bands ever. Yeah, and that's what I think I liked about them because I could listen to them, but experience a lot of different types of music, and obviously they're span or their career spans a lot of years um, a lot of influential albums but being able to listen to just them and hear all sorts of different stuff I can get bored with music pretty easily but they're one I never got bored of because it was always just a little bit different you mentioned that you would dance around what was that like as a as a kid dancing to the the music that your dad put on Oh man. So what I would call dancing at that age might just be, you know, spinning around in circles or whatever. I took a dance class, but I didn't like it. So I kind of quit and just did the lessons at home on my own. I'm an only child. So a lot of my childhood, you'll hear a lot of uh, Melissa was coddled stories. I don't know. I just loved moving to the beat again, being raised with music, uh, moving my body to it as a small kid, just running around sure my parents were like, yes, get that energy out of this child. (laughs) Loved, we had a pool table in our basement and I would just run around it, you know, to the music, whatever. So yeah, just loved. I mean, I'm sure my mom has home movies because my entire childhood was uh, captured on film. Again, only child. So I will spare all of those from you, but probably would be very entertaining to watch. (laughs) Yeah. You're coming into preteen age and this was like the perfect time for this age for you of getting into the boy band craze of Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, uh, Hanson. Oh, yes. Was this primarily just a more of a cultural thing or was this uh, Melissa truly authentically enjoying it? I mean, I think it was a little bit of both, right? I think my mom at this time was listening to a lot of country music. Uh, and really my only form of rebellion was not liking what my mom listened to on the radio. So I leaned hard into whatever the cool station was. I remember Backstreet Boys was my very first concert. And for those of you local Michiganders, it was at the Allegan County Fairgrounds. Uh, So super classy. My mom and dad both went with me because I think I was in fifth grade or something like that. My dad was probably just having the worst time given that he was a classic rock guy, but he loved me. So God bless him. But I loved Hanson because a couple of my friends did. And of course we all picked our Hanson brother. I think I ended up with Zach, which is fine. He's cool. But yeah, part of it was just maybe wanting to fit in, but also enjoying it. You know, it's poppy. It's fun. It's what's on the radio but I was still listening to, you know, what my dad listened to and mm-hmm. probably finding some other stuff too. I've always had a very eclectic taste. So still had to be cool uh, to myself while also being cool in school, maybe. Ooh. I don't know. You know, preteen girl, there's a lot of pressure. So maybe trying to fit in, but I think I truly enjoyed it. I still have them on some 
you know, guilty pleasure throwback playlist. So I can't hate too hard. <laughs> Do you remember? I'm just reminded of this. Jacob and I doing uh, a Backstreet Boys song. I'm trying to remember what uh, song it was. Uh, for oh, karaoke. absolutely. It was Kale's Corner. <laughs> oh, man. I, was it I Want It That Way? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. That sounds about right. Yes. Always a classic. And, and mind you, we really didn't know the song. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, that, I mean, that showed a little bit, but... Uh... <laughs> It worked. I mean, the words pop up, but there's yeah. there's some nuance to that song. You got to know yeah. how long to hold the tell me why. You got to know when the other part comes in. You guys did okay. You did okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was just, we obviously did it to be uh, ridiculous. That was the whole, I guess, the whole point. So, yeah, it was. Uh... <laughs> you accomplished that. I'll yeah. say that much. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think we like pulled up bar stools too and sat down at first and oh yeah took, took full advantage of it <laughs> oh absolutely you can't not at kale's corner oh, yeah. just oh, iconic yeah. karaoke go big or go home <laughs> have you ever done karaoke oh absolutely because I don't, I don't remember oh, any any time you did it with us that might have been the jello shots kyle <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, kidding, Lane. kidding. <laughs> Let's see. One of my favorite go-to karaoke songs is Edge of Seventeen by Stevie Nicks. Um, yes. That, I mean, one of my favorite movies is School of Rock. Jack Black is my celebrity crush. Yeah. So when Joan Cusack does that song, you know, as a little bit of karaoke, loved it. Immigrant song also in that movie, which is rare for Zeppelin. So another mm. plug for them there. But no, I've done that. I've done probably some Jay-Z. I know we've talked about him oh, before. Yeah. yeah. Wild Wild West. I did that one on my birthday <laughs> once uh, at like 2 a.m. at PlayStation Pub. Yeah. I know all the words. I will, again, spare you from that. But uh, yeah, I am, I am no stranger to karaoke. I'll say that much. That's one thing I really miss in COVID, yeah. uh, by the way. It's odd just thinking about you know, yes, seeing people, but karaoke, man, not the same with a mask. Yeah, I, m I miss it too. And I'm sure for you, shows as well. Yes, I absolutely. Crazy. So middle school hits and you come across kind of a Christian music phase. And one band in particular, Reliant K, uh, was your jam. Yes. How did that come about? What was it about? that band compared to what else was available yeah so i feel like i started well my mom and i started going to church maybe like fifth grade started with vacation bible school shout out to my vbs homies but i remember really diving into that and thinking oh my gosh i need to understand this whole world this is a whole new world for me of christianity whatever and really discovering that subculture that is, you know, at the time, the family Christian bookstore. Yeah. And really learning. And I joined the choir. And so I remember singing songs by DC Talk and maybe some Switchfoot, Jars of Clay. And Jars of Clay was a little too mellow for me. So I thought there must be 
something else. Remember discovering Way FM radio station that is no longer RIP, but them playing more, you know, alternative and as alternative as Christian music can be, of you know, Reliant K, Switchfoot, some of the harder stuff. I guess you can't see me air quoting, but that's what I was doing. <laughs> And I just really enjoyed it because I was also listening to, you know, Blink-182, Jimmy Eat World, you know, all the stuff that was kind of the mainstream alternative and trying to find stuff that just had a little bit cleaner, nicer, Jesus-filled lyrics. I feel like Reliant K also talked about a lot of life stuff and not just worship music. And that was really resonating with me at the time because yeah. I was still kind of dipping my toe in this water, figuring out what was going on and, you know, their music I enjoyed. So that was a nice kind of respite from the hymns or the stuff my mom was listening to again, you know, yeah. countercultural to <laughs> whatever mom's listening to. I totally agree with everything about Reliant K. And I feel like on top of that, they were hilarious. Yes. <laughs> they were, you know, that pop punk type of band. And mm-hmm. they are, you know, kind of like Blink-182 in that humor or, or Green Day into their songs. And it was hilarious. I, I just uh, remember my brother and I, we would just laugh to some of these songs sometimes. And, and I've got coworkers during the summer who, who paint with me and they love Reliant K from their adolescent years as well. And there's always, uh, there's some type of laughing that involves every time it's brought up. Um, Absolutely. I mean, you can't help, but listen to Sadie Hawkins dance and dance and, or just, Oh, 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 like you love it. It's fun. And they always hid little things in their albums, which I liked. I remember, the two lefts don't make a right, but three do. They had the different album covers. Yeah, yeah. And I think each one had something just a little different in some of those hidden tracks. I'm pretty sure I saved up all my allowance to buy all of them, which was a great marketing ploy on their part, working in marketing now. Genius. Mm. And I just loved it. I think, yeah, like you said, they just had fun stuff. And again, being in middle school, early high school really appealed to some of that youthfulness, but also trying to grow up and wrestle with the hard stuff. So it was a really nice mix of exactly what I needed at that time. Yeah. And I just, I'm reminded too, they had songs that charted, not like Christian radio chart. We're talking Billboard Hot 100 chart. Yeah. I remember Be My Escape being yeah. on Total Request Live and thinking, yes, I have made it. I'm cool. I knew about this band. I was trying to like convert my non-Christian friends, which, okay, I'll leave, you know, I'll deal with that later in life. But, um, you know, at the time it was just brilliant that they were seen as being credible and quality enough. So I feel like that's what a lot of the Christian music industry lacked and was known for was just not being good quality music, but I think they made quality stuff. Right. One thing that, we got to both see them. They did a uh, or ten year yes. anniversary for. Mm-hmm. That was that was a lot of fun. I don't know uh, if if you remember or what your thoughts were. Yeah, absolutely. They're one of those bands that you know they have some songs that pack a lot of lyrics in there, 
And despite having not listened to them consistently over the years, still all ingrained in my brain. So it was a lot of fun, kind of like just a journey back in time for an evening, even though we're more grown up and have to deal with more grown up stuff. It was kind of revisiting a past self and remembering, you know, where you were when you heard those songs for the first time. So I remember some of them bringing up like, oh man, I was feeling really dramatic and listened to this song a lot. Ooh, ah, youth. Uh, (laughs) But just mostly great memories of, you know, earlier times and just really enjoying their music again, which was fun. Yeah. What uh, was going on during uh, the high school years for you musically? Oh man, Uh, beyond marching band? Probably a lot more, you know, that same Switchfoot, Reliant K. I remember listening to Reliant K on my Walkman or Discman or whatever it was at the time and feeling so cool because I had like anti-skip technology on the bus or on trips for bands. So I remember listening to a lot of Reliant K. They were probably my main staple throughout those years as well. I'm trying to remember, Did you, what instrument did you play in band? So in marching band and pit band and concert band, I played flute and piccolo. And then in jazz band, I played piano. Okay, I thought so. Yeah, there was a whole lot of us. I feel like that was the default instrument. I could not figure out how to play a reed instrument. So they were like, why don't you try flute? And it worked pretty well for me. <laughs> Looking back, What has Christian music meant to you or how does it impact you still today? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like that feels like a lifetime ago, which being 33 feels ridiculous to say, but you know, I'm not actively listening to that anymore. I worked for a Christian radio station for a while. So that was a big part of my life, but not being as active in the, you know, religious church scene, I'm not listening to a lot of that music anymore. I still think, you know, it'll show up on a playlist here and there because, again, I still like it. It's not what will be my go-to every day, but hearing it brings me back to some of those good experiences. I didn't have any awful experiences, which is good, but I don't know. It's just kind of that call back to a different time of my life, uh, some of those different landmarks of my growing up. You moved to college, and you had a friend who introduced you to a band that is uh, one of your faves. How did that come about? Yeah, absolutely. So it was my freshman year, and at this point, I was listening to a lot of the Christian music. I went to Cornerstone University, so a lot of the Christian music was still what was either supposed to be listened to or whatever, but I felt a little rebellious whenever I'd play my Led Zeppelin or ACDC, especially. Oh man, I love blasting Hell's Bells in the dorms. Um, (laughs) Again, just quiet rebellion from me. That is so you. (laughs) I know, I'm such a brat. But I had a friend who really opened my eyes to a lot of more indie alternative music. And he told me about Death Cab for Cutie. And I remember listening to the Plans album and just loving the lyrics. We would talk about them. We were also at this point of, you know, existential crisis 
at the level of the college freshman would be of what am I doing? What, what am I going to do with my life? What are these classes? What do I care about? Who am I apart from my family and my hometown, even though I wasn't that far away, but you know, you're just trying to figure out life on your own. And I don't know that more emo, even though I wouldn't call them an emo band, but just a little more subtle, a little more, you know, reflective, I guess. And just some of the words on that album, I think of like brothers on a hotel bed or different names for the same thing or what Sarah said. Ugh, that one broke me. And just, you know, some of those angsty feelings. And then this friend of mine, he ended up transferring away and moving back to New York State. And so just also the emotions of losing this person that I was really close to from my schooling sphere. So that became all the more special to me, all this music he had introduced me to. And that summer after freshman year, I hit that album hard, moving back home and with the parents and, you know, wanting to relive those fun adventures of you know, even just wandering around campus at night and feeling free. So they really became a huge part of my life and dug back into their older albums and you know became obsessed with whatever they came out with after that what songs of theirs really uh, stand out to you and have impressed you the most Ooh, that is a great question oh, it's like picking a favorite child if i had children man they the open door ep is a really favorite of mine i think it's not in like the typical discology, whatever, but just some great ones in there of like My Mirror Speaks and, you know, some of their albums were a little more miss than hit for me. And it's also funny watching, you know, Ben Gibbard's life uh, when he was with Zoe Deschanel, we got some happier songs like Stay Young, Go Dancing. Yeah. And then after they got divorced, selfishly, I was like, oh man, there's gonna be a really good album coming. And we got some more <laughs> of their typical chill tracks with some more emotional lyrics and yeah they did one album they recorded live which was actually a show I went to here in Grand Rapids of playing with the Magic Magic Orchestra saw that at Calvin College when it was then Calvin College and that was just a beautiful show having the strings along with what they were playing it was a limited release for record store day a few years ago and I didn't get a copy because I think I slept in too late. But then they released it more mass market later. So I got a copy and I listened to that on vinyl quite often because it's just a mix of all of my favorite songs by them. You've seen them a couple times, right? Yes. So I saw them. Oh, gosh, it had to have been my senior year of college. I remember sitting <laughs> in the basement of the athletic building because tickets were going on sale at 9 a.m., but that's also when chapel was, and I didn't have enough chapel credits to be able to skip it. So I had to sit outside of chapel and get my death cab for cutie tickets, and I saw them with my best friend at the time, drove over to Michigan State University because they were playing over there, and so I saw them then. I saw them again at Calvin College. I feel like I saw them one other time, but it's escaping me exactly where that was. I'll remember someday. 
what was it like to finally be able to see them when you did? Oh, man. I mean, at the time I saw them my senior year of college, I'd been listening to them nonstop for years. And I it just was almost like a religious experience for me, just feeling the music in my bones and my soul live was just amazing. I don't know. I used to, when I was little, live music scared me because I remember, oh gosh, it must've been second or third grade live band came to play for a school assembly and they had the big bass drum on the drum set. And I thought I was dying because I'd never seen a band live. And I'm like, my heart is exploding. Why is no one else freaking out? What is going on? And it's funny to look back at that because now live music is one of my favorite things in the world. So just being able to experience that live after experiencing it just kind of on my own or with friends, I think collective experiences are really important with concerts too. Just it's only going to happen that one time. Sure, they're going to go off and do shows wherever else, but being in a room with all those people knowing that they have their own personal experiences with these songs like I have my personal experiences with these songs is always super powerful especially for bands that really mean something to you you have a really cool story about uh, Death Cab from college share what happened yeah so my senior year I lived in a house on campus with four female roommates And there was a, it was a leadership house. So we all held leadership positions on campus. And there was a house next to ours that was the men's leadership house. So those guys became some of our good friends. We led different campus events, still some of my really good friends to this day. And a lot of them were musically inclined. And I remember them knocking on our door one afternoon and saying, hey, do you have your piano? I'm like, what are you talking about? At this point, I'd moved at home. It was the end of the year, getting ready to move out, graduation. So they ended up finding an organ somewhere, just a, you know, electronic organ. And they're like, okay, well, come over to our house at like nine o'clock. We're going to be doing just just playing music on the back porch. Like, okay, cool. Sounds like the right thing to do at the end of my senior year of college. So they had gotten this organ, found people who played guitar because there were some of those in the house. And they just played Transatlanticism, just the song, kind of over and over, just messing it up, getting it right. And my friends and I climbed up onto their roof because they had a ladder that leaned up against the house. And we went and got ice cream because Meyer was really close. So really made it a big event. And, you know, you could hear it from other parts of campus. So some people started coming over and being like, what are you guys doing? It's late, but this is awesome. And it was just so nice. Like, I remember, didn't have a smartphone at the time. I don't have pictures from that night. I don't have it recorded anywhere, but it's very deeply ingrained into my life and my story. And I think that that's really special, too, that it wasn't captured on video. You know, I don't have these fancy memories uh, other than the ones that we all have from being there, which is a neat and kind of unique experience from what we have nowadays. Are you anti-video at concerts? <laughs> I'm not anti-video. I think there's something about experiencing it in the moment. And, you know, I've tried to capture events. I've been to a lot of shows and, you know, sometimes I'll grab a quick video. But the amount of times I actually go back and watch those is very few. 
And I find when I'm watching it through my phone or when I used to lug my digital camera around, it's just not as special as when you're just in the moment experiencing it. And yeah, especially for those around you, if you're holding your phone up or whatever, oh man, uh, just not the best person in the crowd. (laughs) Sorry to any of you out there listening that you're that guy, but you know, just letting you know. At least it's not a selfie stick. Oh my gosh. I have one, but the only reason I bought it is when I was on a trip in California and decided I wanted to take pictures because I was doing some solo road tripping, but yeah, never brought one to a concert. So one time I was at a YouTube concert where someone had a a selfie stick and I remember everyone around this person was, there was a bunch of people just booing for a significant amount of the time of the, of the show. And yikes. They're just, you know, they want this person to put the stick down and this, this guy would not put it down. This was like 30 minutes later. And I I remember several people went up to him, asked him nicely and, and just were like, you need, they're trying to convince him to put it down. He continued to refuse to not do so. It's like he became more and more adamant to, to keep it up in the air. And eventually the booing and just all the people just so upset with him, he eventually put it down. And when he did, everybody cheered. I bet their mother loves them. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) And those are the experiences at concerts I love too, because it's a collective. We're all here for the same reason. Everybody be cool. I've seen one fight at a concert. It was not over a selfie stick, but it's just like, we're all here for the same reason, people. Just everybody be cool. <laughs> well, you you are quite the peacemaker. That's true. I also am just terrified of what's going to happen if that fight comes over by me because eh, my glasses. <laughs> what other shows have you been to? Ooh. Oh, man, I've been to some wonderful ones. I have been to Austin City Limits Festival. That was incredible. I only went for one night. I was there for a trip for work at at one of the campuses. I worked for an education company. We were doing a video shoot there. And one of the folks was like, hey, are you staying for ACL? I don't know what that means. I think that's a part of your body you can tear. But uh, tell me more about this. And she's like, oh, well, ACL is this weekend. Like, you should stick around and see a show. So I look it up, and I'm like, how on earth have I not known about this? So I ended up extending my flight because I got to see Jay-Z at Austin City Limits. And it was just the best. I mean, it was hotter than hell. And we were all pressed up against each other because we're outside. It's Texas. But it was just incredible. I don't remember who else I saw that day. Solange was there too, so I saw her uh, a little bit. And then, of course, there were Beyonce rumors since Jay-Z and Solange were both there, but she did not show up, which it's fine. I saw Jay-Z. That's what I was there for. But, man, that was an experience. Gosh, I've seen so many good shows. Anderson East was incredible. He's just so fun to watch live. I had a great, you know, brass quartet with him for all of those big band sounds that he has. There have been so many. Sleeping at Last was an incredible concert. Where did you see him at? 
Hope College a long time ago. Remember, it was probably 2010, 2011, pretty soon after I graduated college. I love his music. His lyrics are just incredible. He is so amazing. I mean, he is he is one of the best songwriters out there. Oh, absolutely. And just the different series he does, like he did one with the Enneagram, which I love, his Planets, his Atlas series, just brilliant mind. Yeah, and he did that year-long series called Yearbook where he dropped three songs uh, a month for like an entire year. It's a really cool project. Yeah. You saw Fleetwood Mac recently too, right? Oh, yes. Oh, I They've been on my list for a long time. I've loved them my whole life. And they came to Grand Rapids and a group of friends and I went and we're just like, we can't not see goddess Stevie Nicks and Fleetwood Mac. So our seats were a little far away, but it was totally fine. So much fun to watch live. Even now, it was only a couple years ago, but they still have it. Just uh, so much fun. You mentioned Jay-Z earlier. Yes. And I remember when we first met each other, you, you let me borrow his book called Decoded. For you... What did you learn or what did you take from having read his book? Yeah, absolutely. I loved Decoded. I liked his music at face value. It's catchy. You know, it's fun to sing along to. He was kind of mainstream rap, etc. But really understanding what rap means to the community that he's in. A little bit I listened to rap because my mom didn't like it. My mom and I have a great relationship, by the way. I'll plug that in for the few times I've dissed all of her music tastes. Um, <laughs> but listening to some rap, it, I didn't like it. I thought it was crap. More of the club hits where they're not talking about anything. Whereas I feel like Jay-Z is talking about real life and learning about what rap meant to um, the Black community and their experience. And really listening more diligently to his music helped me understand better what was going on there and you know as a white lady uh, I can only know so much I can only understand so much but his music I don't know it was just really powerful to see people using music to talk about their experience the only ways I you know ever listened to that before is you know people writing love songs or songs about their life but the hardship and just the way that Um, the black community is looked down on or the way they're treated him talking about that in his music helped me understand that a little bit better and understand hip-hop and rap for more than just fun catchy music to listen to that it's a whole movement it's a whole life which was really powerful I think for me one of the cool things that I really enjoyed about reading his book Decoded was from an early age in his life, his his early years, he enjoyed rock music a lot. Yes. And one of the things that he wanted to do with his career as an artist is taking samples from that rock music or mm-hmm. music that he grew up enjoying. Uh, for example, he uses Jackson 5's I Want You Back for uh, Izzo. H-O-V-A. And 
taking those samples and then implementing it into his own songs that he would rap on top of. Yeah, it's really an art. You know, I think of it almost like musical collage where you've got to have it flow correctly and fit in with the rest of what you're doing. And I think sampling, you know, oftentimes now if you hear a riff or something that sounds similar to another song, the first thing you're going to do is say, oh, so-and-so stole that. Whereas in the hip hop community, it's more about, you know, honoring some of that and saying, oh, I love this beat. I love this music. And so I want to honor that by also interacting with it. And I think we've lost a little bit of that. And I think it still happens in some hip hop, but nowadays it feels more divisive or so-and-so ripped off so-and-so or stole so-and-so. We're so quick to feel that way rather than have it be a collaborative experience. At least it's better than vanilla ice. Yep. Nope. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> After college, how did you experience listening to music? Yeah, I feel like right after college might be when I started using Spotify, whenever that came out, or Pandora was really big at the time too. And it, you know, allowed me to explore more artists without having to discover them myself or have someone tell me about them. Cause that was the main way that I learned about music in college was meeting a lot of new people, listening to music when we're hanging out, going to shows. Whereas, you know, you've got these services where you can put in a band that you like and then ta-da, all of a sudden, here's these other bands that you might like. Ooh, man, did I go down the rabbit hole of just trying to listen to as many different bands as possible. I was that annoying person of, oh my gosh, have you heard of this person? Have you heard of that person? Which probably some of those I don't even listen to anymore and obviously can't name off the top of my head. But um, yeah, I feel like I just discovered a lot of new music from different Spotify playlists. Like I remember it was 2015. I was out in California, my first solo work trip and like my third time on a plane. And I'm out in Los Angeles, which I'd never been to California before. Here I am. I'd loaded up some Spotify playlists curated by them or whomever that were more like indie pop rock because someone told me, oh, you're going out to California. You need to have this more upbeat, you know, whatever. I think that's when I first heard like Shut Up and Dance. Maybe it was then Anna Sun by Walk the Moon. Probably that one. I think that album was before. But Dreaming by Small Pools, Needle and a Knife by Tennis, like just some of fun, great with the windows down when you're in California in January, which is a wonderful respite from Michigan January, and just really enjoying it. Um, I still have a playlist now that's called My California Playlist, and it's got all those songs that I just love from this giant indie pop playlist that just felt right for that time of just doing something new, being in California, trying to navigate Los Angeles highways. So I needed something to keep me sane. Yeah, listen to a lot of that after that trip. Well, I would say, you know, based on your taste in music, you definitely have a tendency to listen to alternative music. Uh, why do you think that's the case? Hmm, I think I like being unique. I like being a little bit against the mainstream. Maybe I was a hipster before hipsters were a thing. 
I don't know. I just don't like going with the masses. I, you know, I don't like large crowds in general. So maybe that's my <laughs> also listening habits. I think trying to find new and unique and maybe just something that I'm not going to hear on the mainstream radio. Cause I just never really loved that stuff. You know, post boy band craze it just wasn't, wasn't super appealing to me. So I always kind of sought out something different. How have you recently discovered new music in the past few years? Hmm. A lot of Spotify playlists, a lot of stuff they curate different people that I follow. Like there's different authors who have playlists on Spotify that I'll listen to. I feel like a lot of TV shows too have really upped their music game. So, I mean, listening to the Big Little Lies soundtrack was phenomenal. You know, This Is Us sometimes has some really great music behind it. And, you know, I'll hear songs there again, then finding related music. Yeah, a lot of just kind of discovering what what's out there, what's new, what other people are listening to. Music is just very social now. I crowdsource a lot from Facebook where I'll just throw out like, I need new music, help me. And I find some good stuff there, but I find myself going back to a lot of my favorites. You know, I have some playlists where, oh, I'm going to make a new playlist today. And it ends up being exactly like one that I already have because I just pull in a lot of my favorite stuff. So yeah, a lot of curated playlists turn me on to a lot of new music lately. Do you ever pick or choose music to fit the mood when you're embarking on something new? Yeah, so, you know, different times I've gone on road trips, I do, you know, I'll just do a day drive somewhere and I'll load up a playlist with, you know, however I'm feeling that day, if I want to rock out with the windows down to Bruce Springsteen and Fleetwood Mac and, you know, sing my little heart out, I'll have that. Or if it's fall and I want to feel more cozy and just mellow and chill out, because that's why I need a long drive. But sometimes I'll throw new music on too, like a song I haven't heard and just see where it hits in that moment. Cause I've had a lot of songs show up at really important times in my life. So I try to, you know, force some of that spontaneity, which feels funny, but I'm a hit shuffle and let it happen girl. Like when I, I bought a house in September of last year, so September, 2019. And I remember I closed on the house. I went and bought paint and then I came to sit in the house, I think the day after I closed and I had my phone, my Bluetooth speaker, and I loaded up a full playlist of just different songs I'd like to paint to. So had some uppers, had some take a break music, just all songs that I loved. And I sat down in my new living room, no furniture, and just opened that playlist and hit shuffle and let it happen. And the song Somewhere Only We Know by Keen came on. And I just sat and relished in that. Um, and I'll always remember that moment of, yes, this is my new home. It's somewhere only I know at this time. I love love myself some you know, direct correlation there. But I'll always remember that moment just whenever I hear that song. And again, I throw it on playlists to kind of recreate that feeling of, this new thing. I've been in this house for a year now. A lot of life has happened here, changed. I've been working out of here for the past six plus months because of COVID. And that song will always just be really special to me. So it was semi-forced, but also not at the same time. 
So I do a little bit of both, I think, when I'm taking on something new in my life. What is it about music that makes us enjoy music? Why do we listen to it? Mm, that's a lovely question. For me, I think there's a lot of different reasons we enjoy music. I think it's the music itself. I think there's something you know that stirs inside of us and we just hear a tune. I am a chair dancer. You know, you sit and you're just swaying. You don't realize you're listening to something and you're either like bobbing your shoulders or your head and it just moves you like deep inside. I'm a writer, so lyrics are very important to me because words are very important to me. And I think, you know, there's some songs that you resonate with and some you don't. Some might not resonate with you in a certain season, but in another it will. And I think there's just something collective about it. You can talk to a friend about music. You know, we're having this conversation for a reason, having bonded over that. And music that was there for us during a certain time, what we grew up with, what we love, what makes us happy, what comforts us when we're sad. There's a whole lot of different reasons, but I feel like there's always something going on. I'm listening to music all day when I'm working, you know, some have lyrics. If I'm needing to write something, I'm listening to instrumental. If I'm reading, I'm listening to instrumental music or cigarros or something that, you know, doesn't have words that I understand. So uh, I don't know. It's just, it's a constant comfort for me too. So just that constant companion uh, that'll be there for you no matter what. Melissa, Thank you so much for doing this. I really enjoyed having you a part of this conversation. Yeah, my pleasure. This was fun. Thank you for listening to Soundtrack with Kyle Lichty. Each person interviewed has created a playlist of the very songs that have impacted their life. If you are interested in listening to their playlist, you can head straight to our website at soundtrack.com. Fireside.fm. Click on Soundtrack Playlist and it will take you straight to their playlist on Spotify. If you like the podcast and want to know more, check out our Instagram at, at Soundtrack Podcast or leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. Join us next time on Soundtrack. <laughs>